It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome into the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Don't forget, it's always Joe's Karting with a K. But, you know... I had somebody point out to me the other day, they're like, you know, you don't really have to say that anymore because you just Google it and it comes up. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of a good point. So just Google Joe's Carding. Great information on their website. They do a fantastic job keeping you updated with everything that's going on so that you know exactly the do's and don'ts, the hows, the twos, everything you need to know before you walk into the racetrack at Joe's Carding. Highly suggest you get yourself a annual membership. It's well worth the the uh, little extra cost because you're going to see the savings in the end. And even if it's your first time walking into Joe's Carding, get that annual membership. You'll understand after that first lap of why you're going to be back so, so many times. Dirk, uh, it's been a little bit of an off weekend. How was your Easter? Um, I didn't see no rabbits. No? No, no rabbits. Did you eat any chocolate bunnies? Nope. No, I said nope. I saw no rabbits. A rabbit can be true, but then I'd have seen a rabbit if I had a chocolate bunny. I saw my kitty cat. Well, that'll do it. He likes ham. I found that out. <laughs> Stuart is a huge fan of ham. Yeah, so is Buddy now. Yeah. Still doesn't like tuna fish, but, uh, and to refresh last week's show, uh, no kidney. So, yeah, yeah, that that uh, came. Uh, what we published the show. Gosh, I don't even know. Thursday night or uh, Wednesday night, and and you got the word Saturday or the next morning, whatever night it was that we published it. You got the word the next morning that no kidney. Yeah, no kidney again. So well, third time is going to be the charm. Well, the bad part about the third time is there's still somebody in front of me. Yeah. So I'm just still there at the back of the line. And, but I did get a COVID shot, so we're, we're working on some of it. Good. Well, hey, uh, we have to start off today's show with some unfortunate bad news that broke after we published uh, last week's show. Larry Robinson Sr., who was a longtime dirt racer throughout the area, raced the number 53 car, uh, passed away due to a long, long battle with cancer. Uh, according to his son and family statements posted on Facebook, Larry decided uh, to head home and be comfortable for the final couple of weeks of his life. And he finally succumbed to the terrible sea. So um, we haven't got a chance to talk about it on the show. Dirk, I'm sure you've got plenty of stories to talk about with Larry. I've heard some in the pits at uh, the spring meltdown on I-80 Speedway. Some people talking about how fierce of a competitor he could have been, but then also one of the nicest guys once the helmet came off and would help you do about anything to help get your car back on the track, to get you to the racetrack, or uh, or just have a good time. Yeah, there was uh, uh, plenty of guys had uh, thank yous to Larry for uh, help at the track. And like you said, getting them to the track, you know, midweek help. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that uh, depended on him. Um, and now with his, uh, his son's been around quite a while, but the grandson and stuff coming up was always looking to him for advice. So, uh, Larry, uh, little Larry's going to have to pick up on that and, uh, start passing out that advice. But, uh, I'm thinking they're still going to be around uh, the racetrack yeah. for a long time. And, uh, Larry had been racing. I don't remember if he started in the seventies or all the way back in the sixties, he'd been racing a long time. And I know he raced at Playland and Sunset, and he'd been on just about every dirt oval, you know, in this area at one mm -hmm. time or another. Uh, great guy and a uh, big uh, gap left in the racing family's heart. So uh, if you happen to see the Robinsons out and about, you want to send a message over their Facebook page. 
I'm sure every one of them would appreciate some uh, some love and, and well wishes as they're dealing with the loss of Larry Robinson Sr. Let's talk. So, I mean, we don't have a lot of news and notes. There's not been a lot that has uh, has come out since uh, we last recorded. Uh, nothing real major. NASCAR ran a tire test, uh, excuse me, a rain tire test at Martinsville. Did you see any of those results, Dirk? No, I have not. So it, it basically just sums up that NASCAR feels, and Goodyear also feels, that the results were very promising, but were also very preliminary. So a lot of understanding of what, what they were able to do still yet to be sifted through. And then uh, they'll probably schedule another couple just as kind of a backup. So I I like this proactive nature because we know it tends to rain on race day. We could have 0% chance of rain Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday hits and it's a 300% chance of rain just because it's race day. Well, I have a problem calling it proactive when it's been in the works for 60 years. This is no, proactive for NASCAR. <laughs> this is proactive for NASCAR. Well, and they've talked about, you know, doing rain tires. I think they've had them for a couple of years for the road courses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've had them for road courses for several years. I don't know um, if they they just, uh, I think the Daytona road course was the first one that they were uh, actually had them for the cup cars there. They've used them in Xfinity and the trucks a couple of different times at road courses, but it's, uh, I don't think they've been on the cup cars yet. I just want to know if it was actually raining at the track or if they ran the, the rain tires on the dry track to see how they would hold up. Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the, the big deals about it with less rubber on there. Obviously, you're going to wear the tire faster and they use a softer compound for the rain tire. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wonder how they did the test. I'm just uh, reading through really quickly. Statement says the Martinsville test was our first genuine step of trying to identify if there are certain wet conditions on an oval track, we would be comfortable actually racing, either getting a race started under somewhat wet conditions or returning to racing on a damp or wet racetrack, said Greg Stucker of uh, Goodyear's director. He's Goodyear's director of racing. Well, my guess then, it sounds like since they mentioned water several times, my guess is you know, if it wasn't raining, they just probably wet the track. Yeah. And, yep, here uh, we go. After an initial shakedown of two cars in the dry, a water truck doused the .526 mile oval as crews switched among dry weather slicks, existing wet weather tires for road courses, and different track-specific compounds for Goodyear that were grooved to transfer moisture away. Oh, so they did. They just watered the track. Mm -hmm. but uh, at least they got back to racing quick because they didn't have to pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to send the late models out the pack. Uh, Iowa, Iowa Racing News. This is something that has just popped up, popped up recently on my Facebook page. So I was starting to read some articles it is a publication in central Iowa. You can get more information on their Facebook page at Iowa Racing News on Facebook, Iowa Racing News. They posted an interesting article, and Dirk, I'm sure you can chime in on this. There was a lot of conversation after Bristol as why NASCAR left the windshields in the cars when it could have caused some potential issues, and, um, and there was obviously some people that, that gave it a little bit of backlash to it. I never even thought or considered this, but the windshield is a major component to the safety structure of that halo, or at least the the um, the top of the car not crushing down on the um, on the the drivers. And that's what I read well, in this article. It says, "From Iowa Racing News, why no windshields will never happen in NASCAR." 
I read a, be- a brief part of it said that a part of the uh, next the, the generation of car that came out after Dale Sr.'s passing. And since then, the windshield has become more and more of a uh, structure point for the uh, the safety of, the, of those cars. Well, I read the article and I'm calling BS just for the simple fact that that windshield is not the roll cage, okay? It is structurally into the body and it will help keep the roof from collapsing, but the roof is just going to hit the roll cage tubing. It isn't going to beat up on the driver. Well, and yeah, I don't think I'm, I didn't take it as saying that if the windshield was gone, that that halo would immediately crush the driver when it, if it, if there was ever a rollover, but it, it seems that it is a part of the structural integrity of the, of the vehicle of or the some body, of the safety factors. Not of the body, not the roll cage. The article specifically states it will keep the roof from collapsing. It says nothing about the halo, nothing okay. about the roll cage. Okay. So, I didn't get that far yeah. in there. That was me, just my understanding of it. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I said, that's why I call BS because the roof, the roof of the car is not going to impact the driver in any way, shape or form. You know, the roll, it'll hit the roll cage and it's going to stop there. Anybody that wants to go find that article, go over to, is that on NASCAR, the view, or where was that at? Uh, I, I shared think, it on I our think. Facebook page. It was on Iowa Racing News, uh, iowaracingnews.com. I was going to say, I think I saw it with Toby Christie. He's usually got pretty good stuff. That's why I bothered to read it. Mm-hmm. And like, well, that was disappointing. But uh, yeah, it. Uh, I just call BS on that article. That windshield has nothing to do with the structural rigidity of the cage, which is the safety aspect of that car. You know, but you you won't you won't see him take it out. They're not trying to make a dirt car. They're trying to race their car on dirt. Right. So if they were going to try and make a dirt car, they'd let them redesign the whole rear suspension and make a, make a dirt car out of it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, that's just not, not the way it works. Asphalt cars, asphalt late models for a long time had the same type of rear suspension that a cup car's got with the two long truck arms and everything. And it worked great on asphalt, just like it does now with the cup car on asphalt. Yeah. You know, that car, you know, the biggest thing they could do is put the car on a diet and drop the weight down. <laughs> Or give them bigger tires. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess like, like we talked about with last week's show, you want to hear our recaps about Bristol. Just scroll down a little bit farther and uh, turn one's recap uh, from last week's show. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what changes NASCAR makes for the next time when we go back to Bristol next year, which they've already announced they're going to be doing that. Oh, uh, yeah. We got word early last week. Uh, well, let's see. It would have been on April 2nd is when we saw that Kansas Speedway posted. They're excited that they're going to be hosting a limited number of fans for the May 1st and 2nd NASCAR weekend featuring trucks and cup. Correct. Yeah. For the cup series race to the Bushy Mick Bush 400 presented by Bush. 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 But uh, I, I, and you had asked if there was anything going on with the media and uh, I still haven't gotten a chance to reach out. I apologize. I, I'm a little bit behind on that. Maybe I just ought to delegate and, and let you actually do some of this work because I'm not doing a very good job of getting to it. But I did get a, a uh, anonymous text today that uh, came from one of our listeners that was an email sent to infield camping spot owners, somebody that's that's got an infield camping spot. Says uh, this is from Kansas Speedway. We're working hard with our state and local officials to offer Geico infield camping for the May weekend in a way that protects our fans and our competition essential personnel without 
whom we could not race. As a result of the need to protect our competition essential personnel, the infield tunnel will be closed during the following times. So, and it lists several times. During these times, no entry or exit for our campers will be available. In the event of an emergency, we will have processes in place for an exit. Please watch your inbox for further details and more information as we get closer to the race weekend. So it sounds like they're continuing to uh, stress the social distancing and working with state officials that uh, there's not going to be a lot of access to the fans for the drivers. Yeah, I just wonder if they're going to do like an every third camping spot type deal. Yeah. You know, um, because they they mentioned social distancing, so they're not going to pack them in there like they normally would. Um, Even though there are six foot between the, you know, the campers and whatnot, there's not six foot between the camping stalls. Right. You know, they're just, yep. you know, just like a parking lot uh, anywhere, you know, a grocery store. They're just butted up against each other. But it is an improvement over last fall when they um, they had fans for the cup race, but not for the Xfinity race. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're saying they're going to have fans for the truck race is, is, is an improvement over last year. So, you know, how much of an improvement got to be seen. That's about all the news that I have. I kind of wanted to recap real quickly some of the results from the bug eater, or excuse me, the spring meltdown at ID Speedway. Uh, Joe and Lisa and everybody at ID threw a little bit of a a curveball on Friday night and wanted to do something just a little bit different. So for the Malvern Bank Super Late Models, they did a non-points paying double feature event. Time trials, heat races, and that racked you into your heat race, Tad, or sorry, into your features. Tad Pospichel ended up dominating and winning feature number one over Brian Kaziski and Andrew Kaziski, who finished second and third. Bill Layton Jr. had a great race and uh, was able to hold on. Jesse Sobbing came home in second and Josh Leonard in third. Again, that is the second A feature for the Super Late Models. Again, they did double A features on Friday night for the 360 Sprint Cars brought to you by Dirt Track Bank. Jack Dover got the win over Terry McCarl and Lee Gross. Dover started 10th and just started knocking down some serious laps. And I was uh, almost, well, I was completely shocked when I was watching the scoring and timing. Jack took the lead with about eight to go and was running about 17 second laps. Everybody in the top five was right there at about high 17s, low 18s. Uh, Jack was able to get by Terry McCarl, and I figured that's where the lap times would be. But within that seven laps, they actually ended up knocking off about two seconds on their lap times. And uh, I didn't get an exact screenshot of, of the fastest lap time, but I thought I saw Dover. One of his lap times was right around 15.3, 15.5. Those last laps, the, the track absolutely took some uh, took some serious speed to it. Well, that and also he got in the front. He wasn't having to dodge traffic and trying to pass cars, go where they weren't type of deal. He yeah, could run his own line. Well, and, and, and everybody in the top, at one point in time, I noticed everybody in the top six, those last final laps was all mid 15s. They were all running the same lap times. Now they'd, there'd been a caution and and you're right. They had clean track, but I, I was just shocked that everybody was running that much faster than they were later. Cause I would typically expect the track to slow down as the race went on. Uh, it was a 25 lap feature. It would take rubber, dry up a little bit. Yada, yada, uh, when it but... rubber, it gets faster though. That's a misconception. When rubber's down on the track, it gets faster. Yeah. So well, I got to fix that misconception. Rubber, that, would explain, that would explain the two-second pickup real easy if the track took rubber. Your I wasn't sport, there, so I don't know. Your sport mods rolled out and uh, saw a great battle with Matt Andrews and uh, Adam Armstrong, Tyler Nehrud, and Devin Peterson. Devin Peterson ended up 
getting the win in his uh, first run out for 2021 and uh, a great dominating win from him. You can watch interview recaps on the Fred Stretch Facebook page from Tad, Bill, uh, Jack, and Devin from Friday night. And then we came back on Saturday night. Hey, before you get into Saturday, yeah. uh, we need to clarify that the two SLMR features that were run on Friday were qualifying features for Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and they were paying features. I think they each won 1500. Yeah. I, I don't remember what the payout was. I know it was 4,000 for Saturday, mm-hmm. but, uh, they were qualifying features for Saturday night. That's why they did them that way. Yeah. And, and unfortunately I didn't get the exact verbiage on, on who got to qualify, but I do know that Bill Layton, Jesse sobbing, Tad Pospechel and Kaziski all did not need to run qualifying races on Saturday to get into the final, to the, get into that a feature. I don't know if it was third place. Also, if Josh Leonard in third in the second, a feature and Andrew who finished third in the fourth, a feature also automatically qualified. Yeah, that do I, don't know. I, I don't know what they were taking out of that, out of that 30 car field. Yeah. In, uh, or approximately 30 car field. Oh, I yep. say I saw they had 32 cars Saturday, I think, but I don't know what they had Friday night. And those guys really had to deal with some windy conditions. I mean, it's it's been very gusty in the Midwest over the last uh, week and a half, two weeks. And Friday night out at IED Speedway, there was there was wind gusts of 35 and 40 miles an hour. Luckily, when we got down to most of the A feature times, the wind had died down to about 15 to 20 mile an hour gusts. But still, dealing with that wind, uh, I think Dover said it. I can't remember if it was during the post-race interview that we posted or if it was during another one that he did that he said that that wind, the direction, actually ended up helping him rather than hindering him like it does from time to time out at I-80 Speedway. So he was uh, he said on the fl- late in that race, he was adjusting that wing back to catch more of the air. Yeah, well, that's it. It would really uh, it would really hurt hurt or help a sprint car as opposed to a late model. Late models a lot closer to the ground. The most of that air would be blocked off, especially on the front straightaway, because I know the breeze was from behind the grandstands, blowing yep. the dust away from the stands. So yeah, but uh, it still would have been a little force probably harder to drive into like into turn three that would have probably been more trouble than having it push you through turns one and two so yeah coming back to saturday night absolutely gorgeous day i could not i i just saturday was such a reward for the last three months that we've dealt with the crappy weather friday night we dealt with uh slightly colder temperatures and horrible wind and Saturday was absolutely perfect. I, uh, I, we were definitely spoiled out at the racetrack. Uh, your A feature winners for the modified sport modifieds were only on Friday night, brought in the modifieds on Saturday night. Jordan Grabowski gets the win over Mike Densberger and Shane Hyatt. Not really a great race. Uh, Grabowski ended up winning by eight and a half seconds over second place. Mike Densberger. It was great racing throughout the field. Except for first place. Jordan Grabowski just pretty much checked out and uh, dominated that race. Your 360 sprint cars, it really seemed like Terry McCarroll was going to get this win. He was so fast and it just navigating lap traffic perfectly. But Chris Martin's car came in late. Jason Martin's car came in late also. And Terry McCarroll got stuck in some lap traffic. And I don't, I guess I didn't get a chance to go over and talk to him about it. I don't know if he was too aggressive or what, but uh, I saw him go into turns one and two on one lap and lose a ton of momentum because he had to avoid the lap traffic, regained his car down the backstretch, tried again, three and four, again, the same thing, bad approach, had to kill all of his momentum. And that's when Chris Martin went flying by and ended up getting the win. Jason Martin got by later for him and Terry McCarl ended up finishing third. I was really thinking that that was going to be Terry's night. He led quite a few of that 
25 lap feature. Sounds like he had a lot of laps between the two nights. Yeah, he did. Uh, and again, uh, Friday night, he was leading quite a bit. And even though Dover was, was knocking on the door, Terry's car was strong during the restarts and for about five or six laps. And then Jack's car would finally come in and he'd be able to knock down some lap times. But there was, there was that untimely for Jack untimely caution about every six or eight, 10 laps or so, right. As Dover was starting to make his moves on McCarl, the caution would come out, but uh, great, great, strong showing from Terry McCarl in the uh, 2014, your a feature winner for uh, Saturday night in the Malvern Bank super late models. This was the points paying race. This was a $4,000 to win race. And Andrew Kaziski led every single of the 35 lap feature. Uh, strong performance on him. He did everything right. Uh, I want to say he started, I think he started on the pole, if not outside pole, but he led every single one of the laps and navigated lap traffic perfectly and, and just put on one heck of a performance. Josh Leonard came home second, Tad Pospichel in third. Uh, great race there. And and, and just, uh, uh, a gr- I think it was a green-white checkered 35 lap a feature that got us done right at about 9 15 9 30 for the spring meltdown on saturday night great action on i80 speedway a lot of fun yeah and they did get started a little earlier saturday too they did start it they were yeah. supposed to start at six i don't know how, how close they came to that but they were right there uh and there was you know i was kind of sitting there thinking about it and i was like you know we only have three classes tonight modified uh sprint cars and late models they probably could have started at, at seven or seven thirty and let that sunset just a little bit more and be able to kind of get a better work on the track with it not being exposed to the sun for for uh under race conditions that long but you know if, if they'd have delayed it then then it would have been caution filled and red flag filled and we wouldn't have got out of there till 11 30 or midnight <laughs> so oh yeah and a storm would have blown in it would have yeah. rained who knows it, but it, it was a, a beautiful night great night i got to hang out with some old friends that i haven't seen since uh, race season ended so a lot of fun out at the racetrack and before anybody hears from us again the tuesday tickler is the 13th yeah, we won't be. Yes, uh, yeah. uh, so that's an that. show. And I saw a list of drivers, a couple of guys named Moyer are going to be there and a couple of guys named Simpson were going to be there. And uh, uh, I mean, it looked like a pretty stout field from the 10 or 12 guys I saw that were pre-entered for it. So yeah, Braggernite late models and modifieds also on that show. That's a Tuesday tickler. So it's probably going to be your typical Friday night agenda, which is hot laps at 6.30 to 6.45, racing action to follow at about 7.15. Only three classes that night, so I would expect, and that's three big classes. Your Braggernite late models can keep their stuff together. The Modifieds can keep their stuff together. I fully expect to be out there by 9.30 or, or so, like we did on Saturday night at I-80. Decent time. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The Adams County Speedway is asking for your vote for the Advanced Auto Parts NASCAR Weekly Series advance my track challenge if adams county speedway ends up winning this they're going to get fifty thousand dollars imagine what they could do with that money at that facility Uh, the money is uh earmarked for facility improvements and reinvestments into the local economy and the communities there's 22 racetracks adams county speedway is one of the finalists go to www.advancemytrack.com and vote today now you're gonna have to sign up for some advanced auto parts information, but whoop-de-doo, you're gonna get some specials on oil, oil filters, automobile stuff. After you're done voting, you can unsubscribe and you've helped out Adams County Speedway. Did you vote yet? Once. Okay. Now it sounds says, like it's a new round, so I gotta vote again, it sounds like. It says three votes 
per person per day. Oh, I can't count that high, so <laughs> that might not happen. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I forgot to tell you what's coming up for the rest of the show. Turn number two, we're going to sit down with James Hopkins, driver in the number 81 throughout the area. James is doing a really cool deal where he is he has his regular paint scheme that he's he's going to be uh, unveiling here in a couple of weeks. And then in October, he is doing a breast cancer awareness special paint scheme. Listen during turn two to find out more information and how you can help and help raise money for breast cancer awareness. Then Don Hawkins and Bob Simon of Shelby County Speedway are going to join us in turn number three to get you set for Shelby County Speedway's 2021 race schedule. We'll come back in turn number four. We'll get you set for this weekend's race. Dirk, I believe we're at Martinsville on Saturday yeah, at, the, at the clip. So we go underneath the lights at Martinsville on Saturday night. We'll get you set for that race coming up here in turn number four. Hang tight. We'll be back on the front stretch. Red Oak Fabrication in Red Oak, Iowa is changing the powder coating game. Drivers and teams have overpaid for good work for far too long. Get to Red Oak Fabrication and get quality powder coating at an affordable price. A brand new bare frame gets done for $450. Plus the turnaround time? Days, not weeks. Get your free estimate today. Email Jordan F at RedOakFabrication.com. See what Red Oak Fabrication can do for you today on their Facebook page or at redoakfabrication.com. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. 